I keep coming back to the phrase, let them come to you when I have a big stack. Don't manufacture it. Just be patient, but be watching for opportunities. You certainly do not want to be like raising and then calling all ends with hands like ace nine or pocket fours. If you think you're becoming too loose aggressive um, near the bubble, then you're probably paying people off too much. So if we are the biggest stack at the table, we should be trying to apply a lot of pressure to the medium stacks at the table. Just because we have a lot of chips and we feel we can push people around does not automatically require us to be the table captain. Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Rec Poker Podcast. This is our 69th episode already, and we are excited that we are officially sponsored by Running Aces Casino and Racetrack. Now, this week we have our second, and it's a related question from Don Ducate, who's a recreational player, and he's been asking about playing a big stack. And this week we focus on when we are on or near the money bubble. Last week we talked about um, playing more when our earlier mid mid uh, tournament with a big stack, and now we're talking about uh, on or near the money bubble. And so, uh, contributing professionals are Jonathan Little with PokerCoaching.com and Chris Fox Wallace with Next Level Poker, who is our official tour. And we're also going to have thoughts from recreational contributors Matt Hamilton, Taylor Moss, and Rob Washam. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, I still have room in my investment package for Vegas if you're interested. And also, if you want Rec Poker patches, let me know on that deal as well. We're going to take a quick uh, quick uh, second here to thank Running Aces. And then we'll come back and we'll get the question from Don Ducate, uh, set up the discussion for the today, and then I will share my thoughts. And that will be followed by the thoughts of the pros and finally the other Rec players. So let's thank Running Aces. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit runaces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Okay, well here's the question that came in from Don Ducate. When I have a decent stack nearing the bubble, which he refers to as bagging for day two or the money bubble, I think my play tends to become too loose, too aggressive, and I lose a lot, if not all, of my chips. Is this just a natural part of things, or what things should I consider to see if I have a leak or if I'm playing suboptimally? Okay, thanks again, Don, for submitting those questions. Uh, so I'll lead with my thoughts, and then we'll get into the pros and then the other wrecks. Now, uh, for me, you know, the first couple times that I had a chance to get to day two of an event, I played super tight at the end of day one. We weren't near the money bubble, and we were, there was really no logical reason to play tight other than I just wanted to bag for day two. There was just something cool about saying I, I bagged up chips for day two. And, and I think a lot of recreational players are in this camp, especially those of us who rarely play multiple day events. Uh, I don't play very many two-day events, and so I still find it really cool when I get a chance to bag chips. So although it may result in suboptimal decisions by some players, we should celebrate these milestones for newer recreational players making a day two. I know a lot of pros uh, you know, sort of laugh at people that make day two of the main event or other things, but those are things that we should actually be celebrating with the newer recreational players. Make them feel good about themselves. Make them enjoy their experience, even though for those people that do this a lot, 
Uh, it might not be um, a big thing to celebrate, and it might even be kind of goofy that people celebrate it. But I think if we want to continue to increase the game, continue to encourage people, continue to help people feel good about their results, I think we should allow people to celebrate making day two. It's sort of uh, a marker in their poker playing history. And so let's celebrate it. Let's encourage people uh, if we really do want to grow the game. But at the same time, <laughs> we should recognize that the day two bubble should really have no impact on how we are playing playing ourselves other than recognizing that other players may be playing differently. I have found that the end of day one can be a very lucrative time as I focus on isolating those players who really want to make day two and we can exploit that desire. So it's just like anything else. If there's a reason to believe somebody's playing tighter than normal, we need to take advantage of that. And if there's a reason to believe somebody's playing looser than normal, we should take advantage of that. And so Really, as we approach the end of the day, we should just be thinking about and, and trying to observe who are those players that might be playing differently because it's nearing the end of the day. And then we adjust our play accordingly, but we shouldn't intentionally adjust our play to try to drive people to different sorts of situations. So, um, you know, it's one of those times where you can really recognize players who clearly want to either bust or come back with chips in addition to those who want to play super tight. So they're going to be playing looser than normal. So adjust to those as well. So at the end of the day, I just I say all of this to acknowledge that there are some opportunities uh, when we're nearing the end of day one, but this should not change how we play other than finding additional opportunities. If I have a good sized stack here, I will look for these opportunities, but I will not start wielding my stack like a hammer pounding on small or middle stacks because that is a great way to lose those chips. This is not as great of an opportunity as the bubble often presents. Either way though, don't force the creation of opportunities. Let them create themselves. They will be there. Now for the money bubble, it's the same thing for me. Uh, there will be additional opportunities with people playing overly tight and we should take advantage of them, but we shouldn't try to manufacture those opportunities ourselves. Often I see someone with six to eight big blinds shove near a bubble and a bigger stack, say 40 to 50 big blinds, who's in the big blind says something like, well, I have to call here with any two cards. And they often call this with something like 10-7 offsuit or jack two suited. And there could be decent equity, but you really have to balance this with risking 15 to 20% of your stack. When we are on the bubble, this is usually not a risk worth taking. In my experience, I've had way more success building a huge stack on the money bubble than on the day two bubble. Because like I talked about, the one is really a legitimate bubble, the other one really isn't a legitimate bubble. But both of them offer opportunities. But again, that money bubble can be incredibly lucrative. I remember I started a day two with about 150,000 in chips, which was about 30 big blinds. And we played that level and I think one or two more. And the table was all just trying to make the cash. And they weren't afraid to tell me they just wanted to make the cash. And so basically I could raise and take three or four hands each time winning 12 to 20K, um, you know, and maybe losing one when somebody pushed back. But I went from 150,000 to nearly 600,000 on the bubble of this tournament using raises and re-raises for about two hours. And it really set me up to make a deep run in that tournament. But this was not me trying to impose my will on a table that was being resistant. It was me imposing my will on a table that was seemingly okay with my doing this. They were really deferring to me rather than me steamrolling them. I keep coming back to the phrase, let them come to you when I have a big stack. Don't manufacture it. Just be patient, but be watching for opportunities. 
So with this, let me give you another ICM hypothetical example like I did last week. Now this is gonna be kind of a weird one, but it, you'll get the point out of this. So we're gonna use a very small tournament where say the top four are paid and there's six of us left. So we're, we're basically uh, two away from the money. The total prize pool is $700, which is paying 350 bucks for first down to 70 bucks for fourth, and that really doesn't matter. Let's say there's 310,000 chips in play, and we have 100,000 as the big stacks. And the other stacks are like 70,000, 70,000, 40,000, 20,000, and 10,000. All of that doesn't really matter too much here, but uh, here's the question. Putting aside blinds and annies for simplicity, if one of the players shoves and the action is on us and we're the last to act, what hand equity do we need to call and have it be a break-even ICM play? So again, forget blinds and annies. Let's just say um, you know somebody shoves and we have the opportunity to call or not call. So if we are in a cash world or in a purely expected value from a chip perspective world, we know we need 50% hand equity for it to be an even decision, where we would have the same expected value that we do right now. So this would be our decision in a cash game is you know based on that. But nearing the bubble of a tournament where the payouts are either zero or they start ramping up, what odds do we need of winning to have this be a break-even expected ICM decision? And so I ran some numbers, and again, uh, these are applicable to this weird tournament, this small weird tournament, but the message is the same. So we know in a cash game, if we want to have the same expected value, if we fold or if we call, we need to have 50% equity. In a tournament, let's say we have that 100,000 chips and somebody with 10,000 chips shoves. Now, uh, on the upside, we could win 10,000 and knock out a player, and on the downside, we could lose 10,000. The way the math works out is from an ICM perspective, we would need to be at least a 51% favorite to make that a break-even decision. If it's the 20,000 chip stack that shoves, we should be at least a 52% favorite. If it's the 40,000 chip stack that shoves, we should be at least a 55% favorite. And if it's the 70,000 chip stack that shoves, we should be at least a 59% favorite. So this is why ICM is so valuable. It helps you understand sort of those sorts of dynamics. So calling even the 10K stack with an inferior hand is dangerous. So let's say, for example, that we are in the habit of calling the 10K shoves with our 100K stack in this spot with a hand that is usually subpar. Say we, we get in the habit of calling that where we're typically going to have about 40% equity against the, raise, the range of the person that shoves. Well, over the long run, this is a very negative EV play from an ICM perspective. In fact, our ICM is expected to drop like two to three percent with this call. So you think, you know, it's, it seems like a, we, we need to call in those spots, but really it's a negative ICM expected value decision when we don't have a hand that is at least 50 to 60 percent uh, favorite against uh, those ranges. Okay, so enough of the math for now. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'm going to have a chance to put some of these strategies to work in the coming week as I'm playing the Running Aces Pot of Gold tournament. This is a $280 buy-in with the six day ones uh, featuring buybacks of the lower stacks and the accumulator bonus. Uh, I'm planning to play a couple of the day ones and then kind of see how it goes and maybe play as many as uh, four to five of these uh, day one. So this is at Running Aces this coming weekend. You can check it out at runaces.com. So with that, uh, let's shift gears and hear from our contributing professionals. 
Uh, this week we have input from Jonathan Little of PokerCoaching.com and Chris Fox Wallace of Next Level Poker. Hello, this is Jonathan Little for PokerCoaching.com. Today we have a question about how to play a decent stack nearing the bubble or bagging for day two or near the money bubble. Well, first things first, bagging for day two is completely irrelevant. Not kind of irrelevant, completely irrelevant. Making the next day of a tournament does not matter. What matters is getting in the money and increasing your equity. Uh, Do not think that getting to day two means anything, especially if there is no payout jump associated with making day two. Um, You see this a lot at the World Series of Poker main event where making day two means you're in the top 60% of the field, which doesn't mean anything, and you'll see people clapping at the end of day one because it was their dream to make day two of the main event. But the question is why? And there is no monetary reason to make day two. If anything, it costs you money because now you have to stay another night in Vegas. So anyway, making day two does not matter. The money bubble is very relevant though. So when you have a decent stack, let's say average stack is 40 big blinds and you have maybe 40 or 50 big blinds, Um, This player, who submitted the question, says he tends to think that his play becomes too loose and aggressive, and he loses most of his chips, or all of his chips. Is this a natural part of things, and what should you consider to see if you have a leak or playing some optimally? Well, first thing, try to not ask generic questions like this one, and instead submit specific hand histories, or examples of situations where you think you may be playing incorrectly. I definitely suggest you hire a coach to look through the situations that you present because most likely you, from the question, it sounds like you are probably playing way too many hands for no real reason. Um, Quite often, if you are not the big stack, but you are one of the good medium stacks, your strategy near the bubble should be pretty tight as long as the big stack is still in the pot because the big stack can apply a lot of pressure to you and put you in a miserable spot. If you're the deepest stack still in the hand because the bigger stacks have folded, or if the big stacks are just really tight, you can certainly act as a big stack and try to apply pressure to the medium stacks, but you certainly do not want to be like raising and then calling all ends with hands like ace nine or pocket fours. That is just an absolute recipe for disaster because you're going to be really dominated by the players who are somewhat shallow because they're getting their money in with good hands. They're not getting their money in with a wide range. So, If you think you're probably playing too loosely and aggressively, you probably are. So what can you do to chill out? Well, quite often the answer is to just stop playing hands somewhat near the bubble unless you have a reasonable hand to play. Don't think that if you're in the cutoff with 9-8 offsuit that you have to raise it if the players yet to act all have shove stacks and they are all capable of shoving. You want to ask, if I make a play, what is likely to happen? And if you find more often than not that, let's say your opponents just don't fold to you because they think you're crazy and they tend to show up with decent hands, and you're playing garbage hands, well, you're probably just playing too many hands in bad situations. But um, the easiest way to fix this problem is to submit your hands to someone who you respect in the poker world and ask them for advice. Asking very big, broad questions like this, is they're very difficult to answer because it's hard to actually pinpoint your problem. Like, for all I know, maybe you're playing too many hands from early position. And that's, that's a really easy leak to fix. So stop playing king-10 offsuit from early position, for example. Or maybe you're playing too many hands on the button. Like maybe you're raising any two cards from the button. Maybe you're just open jamming with 25 big blind stacks yet to act. And you're doing that because you think they're going to fold too often. And it turns out they don't. I don't know what you're doing wrong because you have not really told me. So that's going to be it for me. This has been Jonathan Little. Thanks for listening.
Fox here from Next Level Poker. Uh, I think, much as my answer last week, you can't just pick a style and say this works on the bubble. Sometimes on the bubble you have to be really tight because people are 3-betting you because you're not going to win a lot of money, your opponents are playing well, whatever it is. You can't afford to take a lot of risks with the stack you have. And sometimes on the bubble, you're raising a ton of pots. You take what they give you. Be the shape of the bucket, like water. Um, If they're giving you pots and they're going to let you rob them, then keep robbing them. I mean, there have definitely been times in tournaments where I'm raising every hand close to the bubble because I know they're going to keep giving it to me. There have also been a lot of tournaments, there have been a couple lately, where I can't hardly play a hand close to the bubble because I've got 15 big blinds and I know people are going to ship on me because they've got way more chips than I do and they know I want to make the money and I'm not going to gamble. So, uh, you know, then I have to play tight and just raise my real hands and get a double up when I get a real hand or wait for the bubble to break before I get my chips in. It really depends on the situation that you're in and not a particular style. If you think you're becoming too loose-aggressive, Um, near the bubble, then you're probably paying people off too much because opening too many pots near the bubble is rarely going to be a problem unless people see that they can three bet you and make you fold constantly, which may be that you're just not picking up on that quick enough and slowing down. But if you're opening pots and then calling three bets and then flopping top pair with ace 10 and then giving it and then giving them a double up with 25 big blinds because they had queens then it's a problem because near the bubble you can start to believe people more often you've spent a lot of time with them typically you've got a, a stressor that makes them behave certain ways and you can believe that they're going to play a certain way. If it's a, a you know a 25-year-old kid in a three-bet hoodie with headphones on, he's going to try to crush the bubble, and he's not going to care that much about grinding his way in and making the money. If it's a 70-year-old guy in a John Deere hat, he's going to try to grind his way into the money more often, especially if he's been talking about playing the game the right way. I mean, you have to have these reads on your opponents to know who you're dealing with here. But typically, when you're getting close to the bubble, people will reveal their actual hands or, or thinner hand ranges than when you're early on. And so you can believe them. And part of your problem might be that you're not believing them enough. Uh, people are not taking big risks near the bubble very often. So if somebody appears to be trying to build a big pot near the bubble believe them. If somebody three bets you pre-flop and bets the flop and ships the turn on a, uh, on an ace-high board and you have ace-10, unless you have a reason to believe that this guy's a big bluffer, you should find a way out of this hand. Uh, sometimes their stack is so short that you got to call, but uh, if the bet is sizable on the turn, you just, just let it go. I know you have ace-10, but what are you beating? What are they three-betting that's a worse ace? What are they shipping the turn with that's a bluff on an ace high board and there's just you have to believe them and you have to fold so it could be that you're playing too many pots with people who are playing very few pots and you end up kind of being by default the fish at the table because you're opening a ton of pots and then you're you're ending up playing with the best hand at the table you know one of the reasons that fish get smoked in tight games is because they're raising a ton of hands, and every time they raise a hand, they're playing against the best hand at the table, which is almost always better than theirs, and they're getting their chips in behind over and over. And And trying to be too aggressive on the bubble can put you in that spot, because if your opponents don't let you steal, it's typically because they have a real hand, and it's going to be better than your hand, and you're going to be in trouble.
So steal from people who will let you steal, but stop stealing quickly if you see that the table's not going to let you do that. You know, if people aren't really afraid, then then stop. And you can also, if you're very close to the money and you have a stack, raise a few hands when you get hands, but you don't have to push people around on the bubble. I mean, I, I used to bubble crush really hard, and, and I've really slowed down on it. I don't raise quite as many hands getting close to the bubble as I used to. In situations where I have a medium stack and we're very close to the bubble in a live tournament, you know, I'm playing a few more hands than my opponents typically, but I'm not playing a ton of hands like I used to because people understand the strategy, people play back at you, and you're also playing a very high-variance game. So adjust to what the table is giving you, but adjust very quickly. And, you, and the problem may be that you're not adjusting quickly enough. If they're not giving it to you, don't keep trying to take it. Don't keep trying to push them around. The biggest mistake most people make in poker is trying to push people around because they want them to play the way they want them to play. But you're not going to make people play a certain way. They're going to play the way they want to play because they bought in with their money. And you have to adjust to how they play and take that money from them. Otherwise, if they're just going to play their way and you're going to try to make them change, you're typically going to just give them your money. And that's not obviously what we want to do. So if you think you're being too loose and aggressive near the bubble, slow down. You can you can take a 30 or 40 big blind stack you know, near the bubble and go ahead and blind yourself down to 35 or 25. If you don't get any hands and make the money, then there will be the big flurry of bust outs right after the money. And you may be, you know semi-deep in the money with 20 to 30 big blinds, which is a fine place to be. You can play poker from there. Okay, thanks so much, guys. Let's take a quick break there to thank our sponsor once again, Running Aces, and we'll be back with thoughts from our contributing recreational players. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit runaces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Okay, let's close the episode with input from our Rec players, uh, Matt Hamilton, Taylor Moss, and Rob Washam. And Taylor and Rob sent an audio, but for Matt, uh, they were written comments. And Matt says this, Sometimes, certainly, there are situations close to the money bubble where we are just destined to go broke. Some hands just have to be played a certain way and are unavoidable. However, it seems like you may be forgetting your fundamentals and are being hyper-aggressive, which is not what we want to do. A good rule of thumb nearing or on the money bubble is, if you are the biggest stack at the table, you should be very aggressive, opening tons of pots and putting a lot of pressure on medium and short stacks that are looking to get into the money. If you are a medium stack, you should be very conservative, pick your spots wisely, and avoid confrontations with the bigger stacks at your table. If the big stacks are not playing as they should, aggressively, you can possibly take over this role, but versus competent opponents, you should be playing very conservatively until the bubble bursts. If you are a short stack, you should be playing hyper-conservative and really be in push-fold mode. You want to avoid limping or opening small, as bigger stacks can pounce on that with aggression and punish you. Look to shove or fold and be very conservative. So those are some thoughts from Matt. Thank you very much. So let's hear from the other recs, Taylor and Rob, and then I'll be back to close us off. Greetings, Rec Poker listeners. This is Taylor Moss. Last week we had talked about how to approach our philosophy when we have a big stack early in a tournament. Today we're talking about how do we approach situations when we get near the bubble. 
Um, so last week I talked about how we should not change our play style early in a tournament because we're not going to have fold equity. Uh, but when we get towards the bubble and there's ICM pressure that's starting to take place, uh, our fold equity can increase considerably if we have a big stack. Um, so if we are the biggest stack at the table, we should be trying to apply a lot of pressure to the medium stacks at the table. So the small stacks at this point, um, depending on how close we are to the money bubble or bagging for day two, the small stack is going to be looking for a double up opportunity and they're going to be willing to go broke trying to kind of increase their chip stack. But if we're the biggest stack at the table, those middle stacks do not want to bust before the small stacks do. So if this medium stacks uh, are playing a little bit too loose than they should be, this is where we can apply a lot of pressure and get them to fold because do they really want to put their for sure shot at cashing today uh, at risk just because they're trying to put us to the test. And usually the answer to that is no. So we can become very aggressive in situations, but we also don't want to become too loose in these situations. We want to pick on the right people and trying to find the people that are very conscious of the ICM pressure uh, are the best people to attack. Um, so in terms of this, I think uh, one of the big lessons that I learned was I was watching Twitch, uh, which is uh, a live feed for poker playing as well as other video games. And there's a streamer called Talon Chick, and she plays a lot of PLO, No Limit, Omaha, those types of uh, tournaments. And I noticed something interesting when she was on the bubble of a No Limit Omaha tournament. She was by far and away the chip leader at the time, and she was going all in a very large proportion of the time, just because the small stacks at her table were trying to sneak through and get into the money, and all the medium stacks could not do anything uh, to fight back against her. So she was going all in a lot, getting a lot of fold equity and constantly scooping the blinds and antes. Um, so in a no limit high, Omaha high low tournament, I think it's a little bit different just because no hand has uh, a great amount of equity against another hand. Um, so it translates very differently into no, no limit hold'em. Uh, but to take that concept and apply it back to know that the medium stacks really have to commit their life to playing against you if you are a big stack. And then likewise, those small stacks are just trying to sneak into the money. Uh, if you can identify those situations and ap apply a lot of pressure, it can be a very profitable situation. So in short, I think we should just be very conscious of how our opponents are trying to play. Are they still playing very aggressively or are they turning into um, kind of folding stations because they want to make the money? And you should take advantage of whichever player they turn into on the bubble. Yeah, this is Rob Washam with the March 3rd Rec Poker situation. Uh, Don Ducate asked a question about the bubble and nearing the bubble. Um couple things we need to think about as we approach the bubble we need to assess our opponents and their stack sizes 
we should determine also if they are just there to cash or if they are there to win. With each of these approaches, uh, there will be a different reaction on the bubble. Like last week, just because we have a lot of chips and we feel we can push people around does not automatically require us to be the table captain. As always, we look for spots to take advantage of those just trying to make the money. Never limping, only raising. When your target plays back at you, it's okay to fold. He's telling you that he has a big hand. Target the middling stacks. They will not want to bust before the smaller stacks and will be playing tighter than normal. The most important thing is to know your opponents. The bubble is a great place to chip up, but be careful with who you attack. You don't want to try to push around a maniac who does not consider the bubble implications. And remember, there's no shame in folding. Talk to you next week. So that's it for today. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Thanks, Don Ducade, for the last couple of weeks of questions. Thanks to the Rex. Thanks to the pros for giving feedback. Tell others about us. Like us. Leave a a comment. Uh, If you want a patch, let me know. And if you have feedback, suggestions for topics, or hand situations, get a hold of me. Email stevefredland at gmail.com. Twitter at Rec Poker, Facebook Rec Poker Group. Uh, That's it. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.